There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Good to have your company for another grill live from Brasti, where the game is always on. Good afternoon, or I should say good evening to one and all. Welcome to uh, the grill broadcasting live from Brasti and game on indeed. Uh, Premier League action on the big screen. Only a couple of games in the Premier League to tell you about uh, throughout the course of today, but no shortage of other stories. Scottish Cup, Championship, Spanish La Liga, German Bundesliga, Italian, Italian Serie A are all on whilst we're on between now and nine. Rugby fans, you're well catered for as well. Well, some fascinating clutches in the Six Nations uh, and some super rugby to keep you posted on as well. There's loads of cricket going on around the world at the moment. Big batch result to bring you in just a little while. We'll find out how New Zealand are getting on against India, Pakistan, uh, in, against Bangladesh and more. There's golf from Pebble Beach. There's plenty to talk about with local sports here in the region. And there's much, much more. Some very special guests uh, joining us down here during the show. Uh, and we'll be uh, catching up with some others that are in town uh, for a bit of R&R at the moment. If you are in town and you're looking for somewhere to enjoy your evening of sport and watch the sun go down in style, do come on down here to Barasti where the game is always on and be part uh, of proceedings right here on The Grill, broadcasting live from the rooftop garden down at Barasti. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. So who's going to be doing uh, the grilling today? Well, uh, it's a pleasure to be joined uh, by... We'll put the band back together, basically. I don't know where the boys have been for the last couple of weeks. Well, I do know where the boys have been for the last couple of weeks. They've been out and about. Uh, Monty, good to have you back. Nice good to evening, see you. Good evening, Tom. Thank All you well. very much. All well. Uh, yes. We've got Mr. Carlos van Rosenfeld just alongside you. CVR, good to have you on board. Yeah, good evening, Tom. Good evening, listeners. Fantastic to be back in the hot seat. And as you say, some mouth-watering rugby to look forward to. Of course, the big focus tonight will be on the Six Nations, where Ireland takes on Wales. That kick off in about 10 minutes time. And then of course the Calcutta cut. Scotland taking on England. England in a bit of worry at the moment. Yeah, so many st- talking points on a lot of these uh, a lot of these talkers. Uh, so let's keep your thoughts coming through on those. And Mr. Mark Archer returns from his travels. You've had your, you've had your work cut out over the last couple of weeks, haven't you? It's been a busy time, Tom. And uh, Busy start to the year for you. Busy start of the year. It's event season, of course, uh, in the Middle East. And uh, yeah, last couple of weekends actually over in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Two weeks ago, I saw you departing on a jet plane back to Dubai from the uh, very beautiful uh, part of uh, Saudi Arabia called Alula. Played a bit of desert polo, Tom, and uh, that was busy. And then, of course, last week I was at the Saudi Invitational, the golf tournament there, a part of the European Tour, that uh, Graham McDowell um, was victorious again. But star-studded field there, the likes of Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, uh, Brooks Kepka, some of the big-name players in, in world golf were over in, uh, in Jeddah at uh, King Abdullah Economic City. And uh, good to see golf and sport in this part of the Middle East. Good event. Yeah, fantastic event. Uh, again, stars to the field. Um, lots of work through to sort of generate crowds there. It's a little bit remote, not too much uh, in terms of location, but great golf course, stars to the field, and uh, it, it really ended up the three, the Desert Swing now, which started in Abu Dhabi uh, a couple of weeks ago, Dubai Desert Classic, and then obviously Saudi Arabia, the Invitational there, has become a sort of a watershed start to the European Tour, and really the, the, the global golfing tour, many of the best players in the world coming now to the Middle East and playing those three weeks. Um, can you sort something out for us solve something what did happen to Robbie's shoes <laughs> that's probably a story uh, we can we can talk about a bit later yeah they, I do, I, he, he, he did lose his shoes one night but he was re- reunited the following day oh, was he really yeah the, the right shoes were correct. about 24 hours later so the, the Cinderella shoes. story was it it was indeed um, Cinderella lost his shoes very late one evening but they, they miraculously reappeared about 24 hours later and he's been <laughs> reunited with his brown uh, casual Dress, dress casual shoes. <laughs> uh, so that's what's been going on over in Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, plenty to look forward to right here uh, in the UAE. Plenty for us to talk about as well. Let's just go to the Premier League if we can, because we've got. I don't really understand the scheduling for the Premier League this weekend. What's well, the mid? It's sense, the it? it's the Premier League midwinter break. So what do they do? They play two matches. So it's not much of a break. And, and, and tomorrow night's a game. Of course, City take on West Ham United tomorrow. So that's not so. really a mid city midwinter break. But so, and then then half the teams are on holiday in Spain. I hear so. It's a bit confusing, but I think what they're doing is they're splitting the Premier League. Half the teams play this week, then they take a week off, and the other half of the teams play the next week, and then 
these teams have a week off if you understand my stand the gist here. What's it going on? I think it's just uh, just because they play so many games in December, it's just a split up in uh, in fixtures basically. To be honest, uh, just to give players uh, a bit of a break and recuperate and come back. That's what the Premier League probably has decided, and that's why we have a split fixture. It just doesn't because uh, they said it was because the international break, but there's no internationals. Is there internationals during the week or not? I don't think there are internationals no, during no, the week, no, are there? No. Uh, uh, and yet we've got a couple of games today. You've got all sorts of players uh, over here in the UAE at the moment, a number of the others around the world having a bit of time off, uh, a little R&R before that final push to the end of the season. And then you've got these two random games. And the fact that you've got an early kickoff and then a late kickoff and, and no kickoffs in the middle. That is I'm confused, but uh, what I'm not confused about is the score at Goodison Park, Tom. Two matches down in the Premier League. Late kickoff is uh, Brighton will entertain Watford, but this match is 75 minutes in at Goodison Park. And I tell you, if you're an Everton fan, you're happy because you're currently leading Crystal Palace two goals to one. If Everton win today, they can go as high as seventh in the table. Crystal Palace have not won since Boxing Day, so that's a good uh, five or six weeks since they last recorded a, a victory in the Premier League. They lead 2-1 with 13 minutes remaining. Bernard scored the first goal for Everton after 18 minutes. Christian Benteke scored the equaliser for Crystal Palace. And then it was Richard Richarlison, the Brazilian, restored the lead after 58 minutes. A fine individual effort. He burst into, just took the ball inside um, the Crystal Palace half. 25 metre run and then a fine finish, curling the ball into the far corner from, from the 20-yard from the box. So 2-1, uh, uh, Everton lead Crystal Palace with uh, 12 minutes of uh, time remaining in this match. And, and Tom Oakwat, not good news for you because tomorrow Manchester City play a struggling West Ham. Of course, oh, no. you're a West Ham supporter. And Sheffield United take on Bournemouth. So uh, very, very interesting games there for Bournemouth and West Ham who are fighting to uh, escape the relegation zone at the moment. Problems. Manchester City have problems of themselves. Raheem Sterling out for a couple of weeks. Mate, I'd take Manchester City's problems over our problems any day of the week. I'll have those. Have them, have them in spadefuls, that's for sure. What's going, up on, what's going on up in Scotland at the moment? Rangers are in action against Hamilton. It is uh, the Scottish Cup fifth round, and Rangers are, are leading this one uh, at the moment. Uh, Hamilton bundles over Morelos and Arfield, converts penalty at second attempt. Uh, it is Rangers leading uh, Hamilton, who are hosting them by two goals to one. Uh, and it's good to see the new boy. Um, Donning his shirt for uh, Rangers up there, um, Haji, who has uh, done his made the move, didn't he, during the transfer window, the January transfer window. Uh, obviously, the son of the iconic um, Romanian star Haji of the past. What else is going on? We've got a couple of games in the Championship for you. Wigan are losing to Preston. Preston leading Wigan by two goals to one at the moment. It's one apiece between Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, two great derbies there being played early kickoffs in the Championship. Rugby is about to get underway. Uh, players out on the pitch as we speak, uh, just being introduced to the um, uh, the dignitaries before the game, uh, which gives us an opportunity to have a look at these two teams um, with the boys here. Uh, it, it, it fascinating opening weekend to the Six Nations because it's, it's almost like we've come away from that opening weekend with more questions than answers. You know, we went into that opening weekend going, oh, I wonder who's going to bounce back from uh, a Rugby World Cup year and who's going to come out uh, quickly. And yet, all teams have a little bit of a question mark around them, possibly apart from France, although France did show weaknesses in that second half. They were brilliant in the first half, but not so in the second. Yeah, well, I think they were the big surprise package, Tom. Nobody expected the onslaught from France. Of course, Galtier went for the youngsters. They really did come through through with them. A very inspirational game there by the French. And uh, as you say, I think England left it too late. But I think if you look at the, the second week of, of rugby at this moment in time, I think the most worried man out of all the people at this moment would be Eddie Jones because England, as I said, really, really looked very weak, especially that first half last weekend. Also, as you say, a lot of questions been asked, but a lot of change of, of, of coaches. Of course, we, we, we saw Farrell first time out with Ireland, uh, Peebuck the first time out with Wales. So a lot of changes. And of course, Galtier now brought in as the French permanent coach. So basically three new coaches, of course, Franco Smith. So four new coaches within the Six Nations team. But as you say, very interesting opening weekend. I felt the Scots were slightly lucky. Of course, if Hogg caught that ball, died over for that try, that would have been a totally different game. So I think two mouth-watering fixtures. Of course, the first one is Ireland taking on Wales. 
what I can tell you is Gary Ringrose and Carlin Doris are injured. They'll be replaced by Robbie Henshaw in the center. And of course, the flanker Peter Omaniu, he comes back into the starting lineup. Omaniu, of course, will move to blindside flanker. CJ Stunder will then move from blindside flank into the number eight position. Of course, he is very familiar with that. Max Deegan um, comes in um, in the in the replacement uh, bench alongside Keith Earls as well. And then, of course, one change for the Welsh team. Centre Nick Tompkins comes into the starting lineup. So it should be a fantastic uh, uh, battle between these two sides this afternoon. And as you say, uh, a good 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 pro a good good form shown by the Welsh last week. Of course, under Pivak, the new coach. So it's going to be an interesting fixture this time. But I kind of fancy Wales in this one. They just seem to be a lot better organised than what Ireland were last week. And it could be well that a lady is going to play the defining role in this afternoon's sport and the rugby because, of course, brace yourself, Storm Kira is coming to the United Kingdom. Uh, it's coming in from the Atlantic and may play some sort of pretty destructive role with sport this afternoon. It is going to hit pretty hard. I think it's due to hit in Scotland mid-afternoon. It's obviously going to come through Ireland first. So Storm Kira could play a big part in today's rugby matches. Of course, the second match uh, kicks off at Murrayfield, Edinburgh, 8.45 UAE time. It's the 127th running of the Calcutta Cup. Of course, first contested in 1879. Both teams lost last week, so plenty to play for and really playing for their lives in this year's Six Nations to have a chance of winning it. Eddie Jones, who about a week ago said that England will be the best team of all time, not just the best team in the world at the moment, but the best team of all time. Well, he came up his uppance and uh, perished in the end, sort of got brought back down to worse. So lots of lots to prove for England. And of course, Scotland, who probably had the better of that match against Ireland, but uh, Stuart Hogg, who dropped the ball over the line, they just couldn't capitalise any of the chances. So a big chance for Scotland, who now are looking for a third consecutive yeah. uh, hosting holding of the Calcutta Cup, which will be an amazing achievement in that. So that's the big match this afternoon. But uh, plenty to talk about uh, in this first match. Ireland, of course, taking on Wales. Wayne Pivak, the new uh, Welsh coach. Warren Gatlin's back in New Zealand. He's coaching the Chiefs in Super Rugby. He had a great win today. What, well, what a start he's had, beating the Crusaders. Great win today against off. the Crusaders. But Wayne Pivak had this to say about this match against Ireland. Well, it was a very good piece of business, but also, um, you know, he's he's been, in terms of what the public have seen and what you've seen on the field last weekend, we've been seeing that in training every day. Uh, not only in training, but the way he conducts himself off the field, he's a true professional, and uh, for a young man uh, his age, 23, 24, it's a, he's a seasoned pro, and, um, you know, he handles himself very, very well. He's been very impressive, and uh, I just hope he goes as well starting as he did coming off the bench. Yeah, that was Wayne Pivak talking about the new centre um, who's starting in, in the midfield for Wales today, Nick Tompkins, who oh, starts yeah. his first match. And uh, George North, who started in the centre last week, he's gone, he's gone back to the wing, and Johnny McNichol has gone, gone to the bench. Uh, talking about Ireland, jo uh, Johnny Sexton, new, new, new coach there as well with Andy Farrell, new captain in Johnny Sexton. Uh, he was talking this week uh, after the captain's run what it was like to captain Ireland, what, what it means for him, and how they're going into this match. This is Johnny Sexton talking uh, 24 hours ago before the match against Wales. It was a good session, just about uh, fixing up the, the last little bit of detail and, and parking that and then relaxing for the rest of the day now and then getting ready for a big one tomorrow. How important is captain's run for you know somebody like Max Deegan in particular who's set to get his first cap tomorrow? Yeah, it's just getting into the stadium, getting a feel for the place um, and again, getting th those last little bits of detail sorted out for tomorrow so you can relax for the rest of the day and, and uh, then start to think about it properly a couple of hours before kick-off tomorrow. For you and for the other kickers, is there a set routine in terms of what you do at the end of captain's run? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, we always kick into the into the big end because we warm up into the into the small end tomorrow. Um, it's obviously a little bit more difficult to kick into the into the small end. Often the wind comes in over the top of it, so it's just about uh, getting a feel for for both ends. Uh, we've played here a lot of times. You know, Ross as well uh, has played a, a lot here uh, with Leinster, obviously. So. Um, we're well used to it, but it's meant to be very windy tomorrow, so we'll uh, probably be totally different tomorrow. Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, the storm Kira coming in, how much does that factor in? How much, how much can you plan for that? Yeah, I suppose you can only talk about it so much. You know, we, we had some storms coming through the World Cup, for example, and they ended up passing us, so we were preparing for a storm and it didn't come. So we'll get a, a better feel tomorrow, you know, a couple of hours before kickoff about what the weather is doing, and, and we'll tweak things accordingly if, if we have to. Um, you know, both sides under you know, their new management, they want to play. Uh, we want to play as well, so hopefully the, the weather isn't too bad. It's round two of the championship. What are you expecting from Wales? 
the same thing you always expect from Wales and any team in this championship you know teams come and, and the, the physical contest is, is huge and, and they've got some, some big ball carriers in their team in the, in the centres and in their back row and uh, we need to be ready for them and uh, you know when Ireland play Wales we, we great rivalry uh, great friends off the pitch but a uh, great rivalry on it and I'm sure it'll be no different tomorrow and what are you looking from, for from the Ireland team? Obviously, just to improve on last week, you know that's what we we, we want to do. We want to uh, get better as the tournament goes on, and uh, while doing that, it's important that we try and pick up the right results. You know that was the most pleasing thing about last week. It wasn't perfect, but we got the win, kept all our hopes alive in terms of triple crown, grand slams, all championship. Uh, so you know, having if we had lost that game, we totally different field this week. So uh, on to this week now, and uh, yeah, we're, we're preparing for a big one. And uh, but you know, like I said, the weather could come in, and it could be just a game of muscle up and, and see who wins those collisions. So roof open tomorrow then? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we've no choice tomorrow. That last year was, I think, a little bit of karma when we chose to keep the roof open. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have learnt a lot from that last year and uh, what not to do. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Start with a goal in the Premier League. Uh, Mark Archer's watching this one on the big screen for us. Yeah, three points wrapped up for the team in blue from Liverpool. Everton will win this match, three goals to one. It's a the third goal by Calvert-Lewis. It was a corner came, swung in uh, from the left-hand side. Rich Olsen, he rose highest. His, his header hit the crossbar. It dropped for a tap-in for Dominic Calvert-Lewis, who finished with the plum, it means that uh, Everton lead Crystal Palace in the final minutes of the match. Three goals to win. This win for Everton will take them to seventh in the English Premier League. They've been impressive, haven't they, Monty? They have been impressive, Everton, uh, under Carlo Ancelotti over the last few weeks. And it's a resurgence for Everton, where they were when he took over. I think they were in 14th or 15th place, and they're going up to seventh tonight. So that's a fantastic job by Carlo Ancelotti. That's off to him. Fred Morales has just scored uh, Rangers third, his second and Rangers third uh, as Rangers lead the Ackies. That's Hamilton uh, Academical uh, by three goals to one at the moment. Um, what is it about... Uh, about, about? I mean, you know when Carlo Ancelotti came into, into Everton, there was a lot of eyebrows raised about why he had chosen to go to Everton. Um, but there obviously seems to be a huge amount of investment going into the club at the moment. Um, and he just seems to be getting the best out of the players as well. I think that's the experience what uh, Carlo Ancelotti brings to any club that he would go to. Uh, he's, he's, he's coached uh, uh, AC Milan before and he's won, he's won the Champions League with several clubs. And uh, I think uh, Carlo Ancelotti is a manager. Who is, he's an astute manager. He's, he's a student of the game. And, uh, he, oh, oh, and, and, and it's good for a club like Everton because of the new stadium plans that they are, they are having for the future. And Carlo Ancelotti, I think, is, is going to bring them back to Europe at some stage, uh, maybe next season or the season after. So I have, I have a question for you. If, you, if, if what you're saying is true about Ancelotti, and I do believe you, why didn't a club like Arsenal look at bringing in a manager like Ancelotti? It was uh, between Everton and Arsenal, I believe, Carlo Ancelotti, but he chose Everton. I think he, he just wanted to have a, a challenge, and he can see he, he knows where, where Everton club are heading uh, in terms of the investment uh, and the new stadium. So, and, and Everton, I, I think they don't have a bad team, to be honest. It's just that they, they didn't start the season that well. So now he's got things back uh, in place and, uh, and the team's looking uh, more structured in terms of Lucas Dean performing, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richardson performing. Uh, the whole team is uh, back together as a unit now and that's, that's, that's down to Carlo Ancelotti's management skills. It's got to be a worry for, 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 for other clubs in the Premier League, isn't it? With the, with the, the dominance of the two Liverpudlian uh, clubs, uh, the two Liverpool clubs, uh, obviously one dominating at the moment, the other looking to, to dominate in the future as well. Um, it, it, it bodes good times for 400 Liverpool. 400 days, Tom, 400 days since Liverpool have, haven't lost a game in the Premier League. It was yesterday, the 400th day. And, and once again, it's, it's because Liverpool are managed by, by Jurgen Klopp, who for me is the, currently the best manager on the planet. And, uh, and each player in Liverpool knows his role. They never give up. They know when to score a goal. If it's the 90th minute, they still dig deep and get that uh, all-important goal. And that, 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 that's, that's what Jurgen Klopp has brought, the philosophy of never giving up and working hard for the team. 
Do send us your thoughts. If you'd like to share your thoughts at any point throughout the show, you can do so by texting us on 4001 or, of course, having your say online. The uh, Six Nations, second weekend of Six Nations is underway. It's been shown down here, live here down here uh, at Barasti. If you would like to come and watch the rugby, then make your way down here. Uh, what are we, six minutes in or so, if you are? Yeah, six minutes in. And what I can tell you is the turf currently is dry. Of course, it's Wales taking on Ireland in Ireland. And, Tom, so far it's been, been quite even. Nothing really major to report about. What, can I, what I can tell you is six and a half minutes played, Wales zero, Ireland zero. Uh, there's also football being played down in the Championship. A couple of early kickoffs in the Championship. Two derbies as well, keenly contested derbies. Uh, Wigan are losing to Preston at the moment. 89 minutes on the clock in that one. Uh, and it is Preston who lead Wigan, their near neighbours, by two goals to one. And talking of near, near neighbours, Barnsley, Sheffield, Wednesday. Nothing uh, too much to separate those two geographically. Uh, and they are one apiece, uh, all square at half-time in the Championship. Full-time Premier League, Mark Archer. Full-time at Goodison, and it's a great win for the home team. Everton 3, Crystal Palace 1. Goals by Bernard, Rich Allison, and Dominic Calvert-Lewis means that uh, that uh, Everton will go 7th in the Premier League. The only only goal for Crystal Palace was scored by Christian Benteke and uh, Roy Hodgson's team have not won since Boxing Day, and that uh, will wait throughout the, the uh, Premier League mid-season break. But a uh, good win for Everton at home, and Carlo Ancelotti can't do much wrong at Everton at the moment. Indeed, uh, he is uh, the man with Midas touch. It certainly seems to be uh, waving that magic wand uh, of his uh, up at Everton. Everton fans, do send us your thoughts. Text us now on 4001. We'd love to get your thoughts and opinions. One other game in the Premier League to look forward to later on tonight. Brighton taking on Watford. It's Brighton against Watford. Uh, that one's off at 9.30 this evening. So we'll have more team news for you on that a little later in proceedings. Uh, let's talk about uh, some of the other big stories coming out of the world of football over the last a few days. What's this one about your new, the new Manchester United striker not travelling with the team? What's going on there? Um, Igalo, he, he came from the Chinese club uh, and, and joined United last week. Um, it's, it's because of the ongoing coronavirus situation globally which affected uh, uh, a lot of sectors in the world and one of them is also also world of sports and football. So you get a player from China immediately he's not allowed to travel because of the various uh, policies, regulations that Spain has put up against, uh, uh, you know, traveling from China because uh, they obviously it's a serious situation that's going on at the moment with the coronavirus and he has to stay back and, uh, and train at uh, Old Trafford in Manchester. Uh, we've got two Man United fans with us here on the panel tonight. Uh, happy with your uh, January transfer window um, recruits? No. I was hoping we'd transfer a new coach, to be honest with you. No, I think at the moment Manchester United, in, in, in all honesty, yes, I think um, Bernard, what's it, Bernard Fernandes, I think he, he, he's a great great asset to the team, Tom, but I, but I think we need a lot more. And I was, I was hoping that defensively we'd bring in somebody very, very strong. I think, uh, let's hope Fernandes can, can add to the midfield, but I think up front we also need somebody very, very strong. So I think Man United at the moment is still, still in a dismal state. I think they've got a lot of rebuilding still to do. And uh, I, I said it from the start, I still, I still don't think Ole Gunnar is the, the right man to do the job, take them to the, to the previous highs that we know Manchester United can achieve. They just seem to be spending more and more and more and more money and somehow they're struggling to stay in the top six, which to me is not a good sign at all. So, yeah, I think this, this, this new kid which they've signed is, is fantastic. But now, you know, with, with Rashford injured, they're really, really struggling up front. Moshi Hull's not really, really giving it, giving the, or producing the good, should I rather say, that, that, that's needed. This, this other young, young kid. Uh, Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood. Great, great talent, but of course doesn't quite have the experience. So, yeah, I think we're lacking up front and, and, and we, we, we're lacking some spark in the midfield as well as defensively. We, we're not as sound as what we should be. So, yeah, I think it's a, a long road ahead of Man United. And uh, at this moment in time, I don't foresee them making the top four. I think if there's any team that can really pressurise Chelsea at the moment, I think it's Tottenham. So, I think Man United, once again, another year of rebuilding for them. Yeah, and all that money spent on uh, on um, on Harry Maguire early on in the season was was to strengthen the defence of Manchester United, and I don't, I don't see any kind of improvement no, at the at back. All. So it's a waste of money, in my opinion. Archie, you're staying very quiet over there in the corner, very um, circumspect about the whole thing. Is a former Watford 30-year-old Nigerian striker on loan to the end of the season? Is that the is that is that is that, that going to be the Midas touch? 
No, but I think he's just going to have to fill a gap, and he's a body, and he looks as though he can score goals. He's been he's been doing okay in the, in the Chinese league, but I don't think that's a great gauge to compare him to how he's going to go in the Premier League. But they need another striker. So the, the question is, you know, they let uh, Lukaku go in the off-season, and they need another body now with Rashford injured. So they just need someone who can step in. He looks, like, looks a decent player, but, you know, is he up to the rigours of the Premier League? I guess time will tell. Fernandes looks like a decent signing. Yeah. But I think maybe he's an insurance policy because Paul Pogba looks for all money that he's going to leave probably in, in the off-season. Yeah. So this is a guy that he looks extremely talented. He, he, I mean, he, his, his, his productivity in terms of assists and goals in Portugal is, is second to none. But that said, can he, can he produce the same type of form in the Premier League? I guess that's uh-huh. wait and see. And the United have been chasing this, this player for a while. Um, I think they tried to get him in the off-season, but they had to throw some cash at him now to get him in, in mid-season to push, I think, for a top-four spot. That's that's all really they're playing for. So fourth um, would be massive for them. I think they've got Chelsea on tomorrow or Monday night, which will be a pretty pivotal match, a six-pointer in some regards. Uh, Friday, I think they're playing, aren't they? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe later in the week then. Yeah. So that's a massive they match. they've got their Spanish camp, haven't they? They've got yeah, their training camp. But they've then... head off to Spain to do, some tra- uh, do, do a training camp. So that's a massive match, a six-pointer in many regards. And uh, look, they're going to be there or thereabouts for fourth at the end of the season but that that's still going to be a disappointing uh, end of the season for Man United and it just seems like another 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 year wasted really yeah on Bruno Fernandes I watched him play his first game for Man United last weekend and he did show uh, uh, glimpses of him being a work work he's got good work ethic he yeah. he, he runs uh, he chases he if at all he has to take a foul for the team he does it he he has an eye for goal if you have a shot in front of you he he shoots so i think i think last week he had the most number of shots uh, amongst all the all the players from uh, from both the teams united and wolves decent start and he could improve if he, if he's shown that kind of performance in his first game in the premier league he could always go on and improve to become a better player i suppose the the one thing from a you know, a sort of neutral observation is 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 the changing face of, of, of football, and, and and I suppose that's both best um, illustrated by the Haaland story earlier on, at the end of last year, wasn't it? Where he was obviously being covered by uh, Manchester United, by uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, actually went over to see Haaland um, uh, and try and convince him to come to Manchester United. You know, we weren't saying things like this in the past. And for a player, a young player, who's obviously a very good player like yeah. Ireland, uh, choosing Borussia Dortmund over Manchester United, there is a bit of a changing of the guard. And funny enough, he's, uh, I mean, uh, Haaland, he, he, he mentioned a few days ago that I'm not 100% fit and I need to get fitter. If he scored already seven goals in three oh, starts three, three for on Dortmund, debut. Yeah, and, and he says he's not 100% fit, imagine what he's going to bring to Dortmund in the future. And, and good signs for Dortmund coming up in the Champions League against Paris Saint-Germain because I think they found a lethal striker and uh, it's going to be a very good game for PSG. However, with Haaland, I think he has a release clause of around 22 million. That's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. So uh, you could see teams like Real Madrid or Barcelona being interested in him uh, end of this season. You never know. He's 19 years old. He's 19 he? years old. Yeah. Extraordinary. What a, what a debut you had. Yeah. Good I mean, sign for Norway. Good sign for Norway. Yeah, uh, I mean, Norway's having a good team now. And his father coaches in the first division in, 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 uh, in England? Former Blackburn player? Yeah, I think, I think he co- definitely coaches within, the England, within one of the leagues. So okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more for you. Uh, we've got live sport to plenty. Six Nations is on the big screen down here at Barasti. We've got another game in the Premier League to look forward to a little later on in proceedings. Uh, plus, lots of football around the globe. That's all coming your way next. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Game on indeed down here at Barasti. In fact, it is the Six Nations which is on the big screen down here at Barasti where Johnny Sexton is uh, trying to make a point to uh, the ref cam at the moment on the big screen down there. Uh, the boys are watching this one for us. CVR, what's the latest? Yeah, it's on what I can tell you. Fantastic penalty of Ireland. We actually thought they were going to go to post. They kicked to the touch. They started a fantastic rolling ball. They were in full control just before the line. The, 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 the Welsh seem to have got some hands on ball. The wall collapsed, and now the referee has given a turnover ball to Wales. And that's the reason why Johnny Sexton is getting so angry with the, with the referee. And I'm actually questioning the referee here too, Tom, because to me, I don't think that ball was illegally turned over. But anyway, what I can tell you, it's a five-meter scrum from the Welsh trial. And it is a Welsh putting, though. But at the moment, it's all been Ireland. 18, 16 and a half minutes played in this game. It's still no score. But at this moment, the Irish are looking very, very strong. Yeah, I've got to say, Ireland have had all the attacking chances. They've been putting a lot of pressure on the Welsh line. But they've just haven't been very clinical. They've turned the ball over three or four times now with either 
turnover penalties or, or, or an infringement and or, or a scrum penalty back to Wales. So it's been Ireland have been the dominant team in the first 16 minutes, but Wales are hanging on. They're still there. The defensive scrum now five metres out and uh, still nil-nil after 16 minutes. And just for our super rugby supporters out there, we've got one live game. Of course, it's the Lions taking on the Reds. That game live from Johannesburg, 72 minutes played. It's the Reds that have just scored now. They're leading the Lions 18 points to 17. Any of you boys watched the uh, Rafa Nadal Roger Federer exhibition? Yeah, I watched it on Facebook Live last night. Uh, f- fantastic, fantastic for Cape Town, fantastic for South Africa, and uh, as you say, fifty-nine thousand people locked into the football stadium. There, of course, Rafa and 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 and, and uh, Fed making the best of the situation. The game before that, Bill Gates and Roger Federer took on Trevor Noah. How the hell he made that? I still don't know. But anyway, <laughs> Trevor Noah and Rafael Nadal took on Bill Gates and, and Roger Federer. Of course, Tom, all for charity. I think he raised about close to three million dollars last night all in all so you know hats off hats off to Federer but uh, to me they didn't take it too serious there were a bit of trick shots there there's a bit of commentary it was all happening down in Cape Town fantastic moment when Sia Kulisi of course the South African World Cup winning captain handed Roger Federer a jersey I'm not too sure why he gave him the number eight I'll still try and find that out but he gave him the number eight with his name on and Roger in true cool fashion of course a lot of people do forget but Roger is half South African his mom was born and grew up in Johannesburg and uh, as I say he put the jersey on the crowd went absolutely crazy you know they, they, they started singing all the fantastic rugby songs and all in all a fantastic evening down in the mother city you South Africans are like the Aussies you're claiming anyone to be part, part of your uh, thing mate, mate, please <laughs> use Google search there <laughs> no, it was, it was a really touching moment before the match and uh, Sia Khaleesi the, the Springbok winning captain came on he, he did the, twin co- uh, the, the, the coin toss and got that underway but then he, then he put on uh, the number 8 Springbok jersey and the crowd obviously the 59,000 people went absolutely mental when he did that. So great to see um, top tennis in South Africa. I don't think, to my memory, they've had much in terms of tournaments, ATP t- tournaments down there. So best to be, best to see, great to see the two iconic players of the last couple of decades, Nadal and Federer, doing their stuff. Was it Cape Town Stadium? Yeah, yeah, of course, C- Cape Town Football Stadium. And actually two days before that, speaking about tennis, uh, Rafael Nadal opened. Oh, and as I'm saying that, it's Laymore that crashes over for Ireland. Fantastic try there by the Irish fullback, Tom. He got the ball short, had two men to beat, just kept pumping those legs of his. And as I say, crashing over for the five-pointer there by Laymore. Of course, he's taken over from Rob Kearney, the number 15 jersey. A fantastic try there for the Irish fullback. Saying that, coming back to tennis, of course, Rafael Nadal did open up his uh, tennis academy in Kuwait, which was two days ago. So, uh, as I say, these boys are getting around the world. And the thing I do love about Rafa, and as well as Roger Federer, always giving back to the game, Tom, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, you're right. He was in Kuwait on Wednesday where he played an exhibition against his compatriot David Ferrer to officially inaugurate uh, the brand new Rafa Nadal Tennis Academy. Uh, Our man, Chris McCarty, was also there as well. Uh, He got to sit down with Rafa uh, at his new facility and began by asking the 19-time Grand Slam winner to outline his short and long-term goals for the academy in Kuwait. First goal is done. That is have uh, an amazing facility. Super happy about that. Then uh, second goal is to create uh, the right team, the right group of coaches and professionals around the facility that we always are taking care very close of it. And uh, we we have already two coaches here since three months ago to try to help that the local coaches to understand the way that we we want to work. And at the same time encourage the the young people to to practice tennis no that's the the third step no of course we need to to help the the kids to understand that uh, through tennis or through sport uh, is uh, is a good way to becoming a better human person no uh, that's that's the that's an important thing for us that we want to to let them know and of course, in this part of the world, this region is important to, to keep promoting our sport. And I think because of this uh, academy, we will be able to achieve that. So what is Rafa's coaching philosophy, as was touched on there? And does he think he will follow the likes of Carlos Moya, Goran Ivanisevic and Boris Becker into a high-profile coaching role after he retires? Well, I like sometimes to... Well, today it's difficult to, to see myself like a coach because I'm still watching myself like a player now. But, uh, yeah, sometimes I, I I like to say 
small tips to the people, to the kids from the academy or to, to my colleagues on tour like Kasper or like Jaume Munar. I think uh, yeah, have a lot of years here on the on the tour and you know sometimes because of the experiences a couple of things that uh, young people don't know yet. No? And I don't know, I, I like the journey of trying to help and to give back. Uh, so I, why not? I think on the future I, I can be a little bit helpful. I think I will be around uh, the world of tennis in the future. This part is an important part of my life. So let's see. Let's see what's going on. Never say never. Next up, Chris asks, uh, well, he got a bit cheeky, did our Chris McCarty asks, so come on then, Rafa, do the big three, yourself, Federer, Djokovic, all have a private WhatsApp group together? Yes. Uh, yeah, we are in doubt, uh, of course. No, no, no. No doubt. Uh, at the end of the day, we are. Um, we talk the same language. We are together in in a lot of. Uh, we are doing the same thing for such a long time, and we love what we are doing. So I think we have a responsibility for promoting the right way our sport. So we we are just trying to taking care about uh, things that can be helpful to keep promoting tennis around the world. And is it always serious, or do they ever joke about who will win the most slams? We don't joke much about this. No, at the end, I think everybody's doing his his own way. No, and I, I honestly, okay, of course, I would love to to finish uh, with more grand slams than that anybody else. But but it's something that I am not obsessed at all. And honestly, I am super happy about my my tennis career. No, if if at the end. Uh, Roger is uh, over than me, or Novak is over than me, or both of them are over than me. Okay, life continues. I don't think in in ten years uh, I will be happier or less happy if uh, if I am on the top, second or third. I don't think will not change my my life perspective, no, at all. So just trying to keep enjoying what I am doing. I am not a betting man. <laughs> I, I don't like to bet, no, and uh, I just like to. To enjoy the the process and uh, I something that I I honestly I I am part of it I I don't I don't know I don't care that much honestly let's see. So he's opened his new academy. It's in Kuwait. Great for the region. Uh, a couple of eyebrows raised as to why Kuwait. Well, I think it's. As you say, Tom, great for the region, and uh, I think you know wherever in the region we can get a facility like this, you know, it's it's always great to be associated with a big name like Rafa, and of course he's got the the, the academy in Mallorca that is so yeah. well known worldwide, and I think you know as long as he implements those same practices in Kuwait, it'd be fantastic to see a young Kuwaiti tennis player coming or anybody from the region, you know. And at the end of the day, it's what's an hour and forty-five minutes flight from here, so you know if there's any players. Uh, that, that are showing potential within the GCC. You know, they do, ha- do have access to this wonderful s- facility. But, you know, coming back to what I said earlier, to me, these top three of, of, of Novak, Fed and, and, and Nadal, they just seem to go on and on and on. And everybody's asking when the new generation is coming through and they just don't seem to be coming through. But to me, the most fa- fascinating thing about these guys, how they're always giving back, how they, you know, they're, they're some charity or, 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 you know, some exhibition matches that they play or, or academies. And I think, you know, Rafa Nadal opening up this one in Kuwait is once again just showing how he gives back to tennis. And I think I think it's, it's fantastic for the region. Um, do send us your thoughts. Uh, if you uh, have got any thoughts uh, on the Rafa Nadal opening up uh, his academy uh, here in the region, we'd love to get your thoughts on that one. Or something in the rugby. Uh, Arch and CVR keeping an eye on things. Seem to be a bit of a hold-up in play. Yeah, Tom, what I can tell you now, it's uh, still Jordan Laymore's try separating the two teams. Ireland are leading this fixture. Five points, a 2-0. 24 minutes played. To me, Ireland has had the better of Wales so far, but just some critical decisions going the way of the Welsh. But once again, Ireland putting a lot of pressure on the Welsh goal line, a line out uh, five metres from the Welsh try line. Johnny Sexton really controlling things uh, from the number 10 channel and looking very, very good at the moment. Yeah, 5 0 to Ireland after about 24 minutes. I've got to say that the um, Nick Tompkins, the Welsh centre on debut, really missed a pretty poor tackle to allow uh, Jordan Lama to crash over and score. He really nowhere to go, and he had no momentum going forward, but he managed to step, get him a momentum, uh, sort of ghost through a couple of tackles, and bundle his way over there. Sexton 
made a mess of the conversion. It was a really kickable conversion that he basically pulled to his left-hand side. So, yeah, 24 minutes gone. It's Ireland lead Wales 5-0. to nil. Uh, The German Bundesliga has got underway. There's no goals to report in the Bundesliga as yet in the first 10 minutes uh, of that uh, first half. There is, however, a goal to report in Italian Serie A. Monty. Yes, Tom. Uh, It's the game between Fiorentina versus high-flying Atalanta. Uh, Fiorentina are currently leading by one goal to nil after 41 minutes. Goal scored by Kisa. We'll keep an eye on that one. One of three games being played over in Italy uh, this evening. Torino taking on Sampdoria. Hellas Verona, they are taking on Juve later this evening. 11.45 for that one at the moment. Uh, you been impressed with Juve uh, this season, uh, Monty? Um, I have been. They have a good setup, a good structure. Um, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is back to scoring uh, goals once again. I think he scored like seven or eight goals since the, since the start of the new year. And uh, Juventus are looking good to, to, uh, in the Champions League and the Serie A. However, good competition from Inter Milan this time around with Lukaku in there in the Serie A this, this year. Second half in the Championship as well. Barnsley taking on Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, it's one apiece with 50 minutes on the clock there. Uh, Windas opened the scoring for Sheffield Wednesday after 16 minutes. And Woodrow uh, replying in the first half on 24. One apiece in that particular game at the moment. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we turn our attention to cricket. You're listening to The Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now. On Dubai I 103.8. Stories developing in the Six Nations at the moment. Uh, let's get the latest from the boys. Yeah, Tom, what I can tell you is, well, we were all thought that the centre was taking the gap there. It was Owen Wynne-Jones, of course, the big lock forward of Wales, breaking the line, popping up to Dan Bigger. Dan Bigger finds Thomas Williams inside of him. The scrum of dives over for a fantastic five-pointer for Wales. What I can tell you is Ireland 5, Wales 5, 27 minutes played, the conversion to come, and it should be an easy pop over for Dan Bigger. As I say that, he's popped it over. Wales lead the fixture seven points to five. Yeah, 27 minutes gone. It's been all Ireland for most of the first half, and uh, they haven't been extremely clinical when they've got the chances, but a fantastic offload by Alan Wynne-Jones. Looked a bit like Sonny Bill Williams wrapping his arms yeah. around. Uh, it was... Um, Dan Bigger on the inside. It was one more pass to Thomas Williams, who went under close to the posts here. So against the run of play, really, Wales lead Ireland with 10 minutes to go in the first half, seven points to five. I'll tell you what the other thing that I'm finding fascinating is the new management teams in a lot of these, uh, these teams at the moment. Obviously, they've been long-established management uh, roles and, and, and coaches in place in the lead-up to the World Cup. Now there's a new dawn, if you like, with a, no- a number of these players, teams in the Six Nations. And a lot of focus on Andy Farrell because... Andy Farrell is a great coach, but is he is he a head coach? Is, is a question that's been asked a lot. Yeah, it's a great question because he's done. He's always been the sort of defensive yeah. coach. He's been the um, uh, you know he's been the guy for the Lions. He's been the guy um, for, for, in the Irish setup for a long time. He's always been. I think he was under Stuart Lancaster as well, wasn't he? Wasn't he one of the yeah. assistant coaches there? Yeah. So he's always been an assistant coach. So the question asked is, you know, can the guy make the step up? Can he be the decision maker? Can he make the hard decisions around selection and? Uh, I guess, I, guess, I guess the questions will be answered um, soon enough. And uh, the same with Wayne Pivak coming in from the Scarlets. Um, new coaching system there. Um, so it's good to see all the new coaching shuffles there. Eddie Jones, of course, is still with England. Um, Sean, Edwards with Sean Edwards is now with France. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I tell you what, he's made, a, he's made a big difference, I think. I mean, if I see that French outfit, especially from a defensive perspective as to what they've been years before, they seem pretty solid. Yes, they got a little bit at nines and tens in that second half, but in that first half, I must say, our arch, the execution was absolutely fantastic. And I think Sean Edwards, look, you don't take anything away from Galtier. I mean, he, he's done a superb job with him. He's took a, he, he's took a, he's took a massive gamble bringing in these youngsters. But to me, Sean Edwards was just a solid defensive line. Everybody knew their places. And interesting thing though of course with Scotland uh, and we'll talk about Scotland England a little bit later in the show with Gregor Townsend then very high po- uh, high profile falling out with Finn Russell arguably one of the most talented players so the 10's not playing uh, for them and young uh, young Hastings is Adam Hastings is, is taking the place of fly half but highly controversial when, when obviously one of the high, the better players has fallen out with the co- with the coach over disciplinary reasons and and who's going to win that battle it's like the coach is going to win that battle for now so I guess um, a bit of the coaching uh, merry-go-round has happened but that's that's what you expect after a rugby world cup and real interesting to see how the how those coaches really sort of stamp their own authority their own game plans their own methods on these squads now for the Six Nations. Talking about assistant coach, it's quite interesting to see Matt Proudford, of course, the World Cup winning assistant coach, has now joined Eddie Jones in England. And uh, I must say, 
Of course, Proudfoot, very well known for his scrummaging. England did seem quite strong in the scrums uh, against France. It's just the other part of their game that they couldn't quite put together. But Eddie Jones, Tom, to me, must be under a lot of pressure now. I think if he loses today, a lot of question marks will be around the England coach. Wow. Uh, we will watch on with interest for that one a little later on. 8.45 England against uh, Scotland. And looking at the crowd down here at Barasti already, uh, we are in for a crackerjack as well. Big crowd turning out uh, to watch rugby, football and much, much more. Let's talk cricket, Arch. Where do you want to start? Yeah, well, let's just start with a bit of a cricket update. Uh, we've got our good friends at uh, Crick Info ESPN giving us a full update of what's going on around the world. And this is what they had to say today, February the 8th. Rajasthan Royals have not given up hope of Jofra Archer playing some part in this year's IPL, according to their head coach, Andrew McDonald, in spite of the fast bowler being diagnosed with a stress fracture of the right elbow. Archer missed the last three tests of England's Tour of South Africa, amid concerns about his workload, having bowled more than 400 overs since debuting in May last year, more than any other England player for the entire calendar year. McDonald said that Rajasthan Royals would await further updates before considering any replacement for their premier strike bowler. Were Rajasthan to consider a replacement for Archer, that player would have to come from those names who registered for December's auction, but went unsold. James Anderson has said he hopes to be fit for England's tour of Sri Lanka next month, having returned to training following the rib injury he suffered in South Africa. There have been suggestions that Anderson would be rested from the two Sri Lanka tests, but Anderson indicated that he would make himself available and leave the decision up to the selectors. Anderson played the first two tests in South Africa, his first cricket in almost five months, having broken down during the ashes with a calf strain. Anderson has repeatedly said he hopes to play on for as long as his body will allow. Former Pakistan batsman Nasir Jamshed has been sentenced to 17 months in prison at Manchester Crown Court after pleading guilty in December for a conspiracy to bribe fellow cricketers in the Pakistan Super League. Jamshed was given a 10-year ban by the PCB in August 2018 and had been anticipating a custodial sentence after changing his plea on the opening day of his trial. Jamshed, acting as the go-between for the PSL game, persuaded Shajil Khan to play out two made-to-order dot balls of the first two balls of Islamabad's second over. Shajil was later banned for five years by the PCB, as was Khalid Latif, another player whom Jamshed had recruited for a subsequent fix. The court also heard how Jamshed himself had been the intended fixer during the PSL contests when he and Shajil were both playing for Rangpur Riders. On to some better news for Pakistan cricket. There is a tour match underway. It's, a, it's the first test match, day two stumps at Royal Pindi in Pakistan. Great to see test match cricket back in Pakistan. I can tell you that the home team are well on top in this match against Bangladesh. Bangladesh in their first innings dismissed for 233 with Shahid Shah Afridi taking four for 53, the best of the Pakistan bowlers. And it stumps Pakistan in reply to that innings of 233. A 342 for three. 104 Shan Masood exactly. And then Baba Azam, what a player he is. 114 not out. So Pakistan lead at stumps on day two by 109 runs. Seven wickets remaining in their first innings totally in control of this test match against uh, Bangladesh. Two results also from the Southern Hemisphere today. Let's start with the Big Bash final. It was reduced to a 12 overs affair for both teams due to wet weather and the team that came up on top of the 2020 Big Bash, Tom, was the Sydney Sixers. They had a victory over Melbourne. Sydney batted first in their 12 overs, 116 for 5. Melbourne, well they couldn't uh, get going. They, they struggled through to 97 for 6. So Sydney Sixers have won by 19 uh, runs the 2020 Big Bash and there was a ODI in Auckland, New Zealand and the Black Caps defeated India by 22 runs and won the ODI series 2-0. The third and final ODI is at Mount Maunganui on Tuesday and then there's a couple of test matches. Great series just between the two teams. India won the one that actually swept New Zealand in the T20 series but there was a lot of really close matches. Went to super overs there. Um, really close between the two teams. New Zealand got the victory today. They scored 273 for 8 in their 50 overs. Martin Guptill top scored with 79. Ross Taylor got them out of trouble at the end with 73 and then India disappointingly could, were dismissed in their 48th over for 251 the only man really making some inroads was Ravinder Jijaja with 55 but uh, good matches between these two teams and uh, Monty pretty well balanced series but in, in, in the white ball form interesting to see what happens with the red ball but it's uh, been fascinating viewing it has been, uh, Mark, uh, the series. Uh, I was looking forward to this series. Remember a month ago I came here and I told that I'm looking forward to India going down to New Zealand. And it's, a, it's an evenly contested series. If, uh, if, if India 
have whitewashed New Zealand uh, 5-0 in T20. I think New Zealand will whitewash India in the, in the, in the, in the one-day series. It will be 3-0 to New Zealand. And I'm looking forward now to the test series, the two-match test series, because uh, interesting because India are on top of the, of the test table at the moment and, and leading the, the world championship table. Uh, it will be interesting to see how they cope with the swinging uh, uh, kookaburra ball that you use uh, in New Zealand. Uh, it's going to be tough, tough conditions for India, I think. Yeah, it should be a good series. So there's one, one more f- uh, final uh, ODI in a couple of days' time, then two test match series. But uh, other news also, cricket England are down in South Africa. There was a rained-out match yesterday. Um, Jimmy Anderson was on Sky Sports talking about his latest injury and will he be fit again. This is what Jimmy Anderson had to say uh, yesterday. It's all healed. You know, I've been training for, for a few weeks now. Uh, getting my bowling back up to speed and uh, feel really good. Frustrating when it happened and yeah, it was a bit of a freak incident but thankfully now it's, it's all healed and, and feel much better. Are you available for Sri Lanka or is it too early to say that? You're, gonna be, you're putting your hat in the ring to be fit for that tour? Well that's the, that's the aim, yeah. The, the aim for me is just to try and get fit for, the, for whatever's next and, and at the moment that's Sri Lanka. Um, if I can, you know, it's hard to prove your fitness in the indoor school at Old Trafford but, um, you know, I'm as I said, with a broken bone, you're just waiting for that to heal. I've not lost any fitness. Uh, it's just about building my bowling back up now. I've still got a month before that tour. Um, so we just have to wait and see what the, the selectors think. Now, a lot of fans out there and a lot of pundits as, as well are saying, don't play Jimmy in Sri Lanka or India or anywhere on the subcontinent where fast bowling is really tough. Save you for one or two quicker pitches and particularly in England when the, when the ball does a bit. What do you say to that? Oh, well, it sounds great to me, um, <laughs> but I, I don't think that's that's uh, realistic. To be honest, you know, I, if I'm fit, I want to be playing for, for England wherever that might be. Um, you know, I showed in, in South Africa, I can still do it abroad, um, and I, I just I think, you know, I've been unlucky a little bit the last few months with injuries, but my record before that's been pretty good injury-wise. So uh, I'm hopeful that I'm, I can keep fit as long as as long as possible. If I'm fit, then I want to be playing wherever England are. Got a few problems in the bowling department, haven't they? And not only with Jimmy Anderson, who's at one end of his career, but another man who's at the other end of his career, Jofra Archer, being ruled out of this series. Looks like he's going to be ruled out of the Sri Lanka series as well. And ruled out of the IPL. And ruled out of the IPL, yeah. I mean, he needs to be managed very carefully at the moment, doesn't he? Yeah, and we look at Jimmy Anderson, the guy who's been around since 2003. I remember he burst on the scene at the, the World Cup in South Africa. He's been around a long time, 17 years of professional cricket. And um, Joffrey Archer's burst on the scene through through T20 formats, and now he's played a whole season of a World Cup. He's played T20 matches in, in the IPL and for England, and he's been bowled a lot in the Ashes and also in, in Test match cricket, all three formats. And he's a he's a young lad that's probably still growing into his body a bit. And um, they've got to manage him really carefully. You've got the, the older statesman and Anderson mm. and Stuart Broad, who at the back end of their careers. They're obviously getting, you know, winding things down, but also trying to stay fit and get the balance right and then bring in someone like Joffrey Archer. So it's a big job for the guys at the ECB and the coaching staff, Chris Silverwood, at England to try and just manage him correctly because he'll want to go and play in the IPL, but he'll also want to go and play every format for England. And they're just going to have to make sure that they manage his workload and look at how many overs he's bowling and just make sure he's getting the rest and, you know, recuperation that, he's, that a guy's going to need to bowl fast. Because once he loses pace, yeah. it's his biggest weapon, really. And uh, they're going to have to manage that very carefully. Uh, do send your thoughts through. Um, let's get one more thought from uh, our resident South African. Good to see Dale staying back in the uh, mix. Yeah, I think it's needed. It seems like, like <laughs> South Africa need to bring all the oldies back. Uh, of course, there's talks of A.B. de Villiers coming back too. And uh, yeah, South Africa were terrible in the, in the, in the Test Series. Um, Tom, I thought, I thought you know, they, they just didn't deliver at all. England really, really played well. But good to see them come back in the first one-day international and win that quite comfortably. Great yeah. batting display by Quinton de Kock. And what's this rain you have down in South Africa at the moment? You know, Match abundant due, due to a bit of rain. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually need it. The country's very, very dry at the moment. So we, we always welcoming any rain there. But, yeah, quite strange for this time of the year especially. But uh, rain is good at this moment. Rain time. is good. Uh, we will take a short break when we come back. We'll be into the second hour of The Grill live from Brass, where the game is always on. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.